Talking about the feast as it relates to our salvation. Is that okay? Are you there? Okay. Now, I want to continue. I told you we're going to be dealing with the second feast. Now, can somebody tell me what uh, passage we started with? Deuteronomy 16, 16. You can forget that. You just cannot forget that. Deuteronomy 16, verse 16. Uh, right from when I got this understanding some years back, I hardly can forget Deuteronomy 16, 16. Amen? So let's go back there, and we're going to pick on the second feast. Today. So how long am I going to be talking? I'm stopping at what? Okay. Okay, that's all right. So that we know what to do. Okay, are we there? Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose. In the feast of unliving bread and in the feast of weeks and in the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Amen. Now, if you get down to the book of Exodus 34 verse 22... Exodus 34, 22. The Bible says, <clears throat> And thou shalt observe the feast of weeks, and of the first fruit of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. The same thing, but in Exodus, what you call the feast of all living bread is what is called in Exodus the feast of wheat harvest. And it's very important. I want you to understand. There's a reason why I have to read it from the book of Exodus. Hallelujah. And so, we already said that the feast of Passover has to do with your coming into the Lord. Is that okay? Now you've come into the Lord. You've got out of what I would call the outer court. You are moving out of what I would now say... Uh, the 34 dream and you now approaching what we now call the 64 dream. Is that alright? Are you there? Pay close attention. Now, the feast of Pentecost is also called the feast of harvest or wheat harvest. Look at what he said there. He said, observe the feast of weeks of the first fruit of wheat harvest. It is the same thing are the feast of Pentecost. Hallelujah. And this feast was celebrated 50 days after the feast of Passover. After the feast of Passover in the natural Israel, the next feast they celebrate is the feast of Pentecost, which is the feast of wheat harvest. And it is done 50 days after now, don't you forget. Can you please put a little bit of echo on this sound? The sound is not too okay. Alright. Hallelujah. Now, after Passover, now don't you forget what we said yesterday in John 18 or so. We, we read how that Pilate, when he was to, or rather when Christ was about to be crucified, the Bible says it was the preparation of the Passover. You remember that? Come on. So now, if it was the preparation of the Passover, it simply means 
after his death, because he was the sacrificial lamb, after his death, and 50 days, something else needs to happen. So as to come to the place of conforming and fulfilling how this feast ought to work. Pay close attention. Are you there with me? Okay. So we said, this feast had to be celebrated after the Passover to commemorate the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Now I want you to understand that this feast is tied to the law given in Exodus 20. Follow it. There is nothing in the scripture that is just written. Everything you see in the scripture, they have their fulfillment. Hallelujah. So then, 50 days after Passover, they have to celebrate another faculty, the Feast of Pentecost. And that celebration is to commemorate when God... Now, the first one was to commemorate how God brought them out of Egypt. The second one is to commemorate how that the Lord gave them the laws in Mount Sinai. Is that okay? Are you following? Okay. Okay. Now, like I said, I take uh, 50 days after... And that is why it is called Pentecost. Fifty. Pentecost. Actually in the Greek. Fifty simply means Pentecost. Is that okay? Are you there? Hello. Okay. One of my friends used to make fun with the fifty guys that was sent to was sent to Elijah. Remember that? 50 people came to him and he said, If I be man of God, fire, come down. Another 50 come. So Pentecostals were going to destroy the sonship. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Are you there? Okay, now let's move on. Now I want to be showing you something very practical now. As it relates to Christ and as it relates to your salvation. Pay close attention. Don't forget this. 50 days after Passover, they have to be what? Pentecost. Go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. Are we then Act 2? Look at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What fully come? The day of Pentecost. Now, what does that mean? When the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, connect this to... When it was the preparation for the Passover, Jesus was crucified. Is that okay? Fine. Now, after crucifixion, something had to happen after 50 days. Are you following it now? So, when Pentecost was fully come, that means between when Jesus died and when the Holy Ghost come, it must be what? 50 days. Because you can only celebrate the Feast of Pentecost after 50 days having celebrated the feast of all Passover. Are you catching this? Okay. And there is something I want to show you. Turn to the book of Leviticus. We have a couple of scriptures to read, so just go with me. Leviticus. I want to read in from verse number 10. Leviticus 23. Are you there? Verse 10. Leviticus 23 verse 10. 
Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall keep the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Are you there? Note the word sheep of the first fruits of your harvest. Number 11. And he shall wave, note that, the sheep before the Lord to be accepted for you. Note that word again. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And he shall offer that day when you have, when you wave the sheaf. And he shall land without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. Thirteen and the meat offering thereof shall be two ten deals of the fine flour mingled with oil. An offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet server. And drink offering thereof shall be wine, the fourth part of an hymn. And you shall eat neither bread nor pasch corn nor green ears until the same same day that you have brought an offering unto the Lord your God. It shall be a statue for ever throughout your generation in all your dwellings. Can I say something there just a little bit? Don't eat until you have brought that of the Lord. Can somebody help me say an amen? amen. <laughs> Is that what he said there? <laughs> huh? Did he say so, sir? Okay, that's what he said. Thou shalt not eat. Eh? You shall not eat neither bread nor corn nor green ears until that same day you have brought an offering to the Lord. Amen. Somebody say, I'm a New Testament believer. Praise God. <laughs> okay, verse 15. And it shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath. From that day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven servants shall be complete. Seven times seven is what? Seven times seven is what? You shall count seven servants. Then verse 16 says, Even unto the morrow, after the seven servants, shall ye number fifty days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. This new mean offering, offering unto the Lord is now Pentecost. Are you following what I'm trying to say now? Now there are some things you need to understand from the book of Leviticus here. Count seven Sabbaths. That the next day, which is the fiftieth day, brings in a new meat offering unto the Lord. Is that okay? Are we still together? I want you to connect this. I'm going to connect some scriptures for you now so that you understand. And so the Lord said, you finish your Passover. You got your new harvest. Now watch this. We said every feast that they celebrated in the natural, we celebrate in the spirit. Is that okay? Fine. So we already know 1 Samuel, I mean 1 Corinthians 5, 7, the Bible says, Christ is a lamb of our Passover lamb, brother. Is that okay? Alright, now. So if it's our Passover lamb, how is he or how does he relate to us as Pentecost? So now, we finish this. The Bible says, sheep weave offering. Now watch this. There is something I want you to understand. He said, the first sheep weave offering should be waved unto the Lord. And that is very important. Now, I want to read a scripture to you. Turn with me to the book of John 20. 
John chapter 20. Hallelujah. Are you there? Let's start reading from verse 9. Or it does it verse 9? Okay. Verse 9. For as yet they know not. Now this after Jesus um, was crucified and buried. Is that okay? The disciples of these women, they came to the graveside. Is that alright? Are you there? For as yet they know not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again into their own home. Because they couldn't find his body. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. And see her two angels in white sitting. The one at the head and the other at the feet. We had the body of Jesus alone. And I want to talk about these two angels. And for you to understand why they have to sit that way. But some of you know already. Hmm? Hello? These are the two people that spoke to them in the book of Acts. Why gaze ye up into heaven? Now, I don't want to discuss that. I will take our time. But there's a reason why they have to watch. In the true sense of it, this is the law and the prophets. Is that okay? They are watching against their testimony. They are keeping their testimony to the end. They are making sure what the prophets are about is actually fulfilled. It's the law and the prophets. Okay, and that's Elijah and Moses. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay then, fine. So now, um, what verse are we here? Verse 13. Is that okay? Verse 13. And they saw unto her, and they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Now, that tells you, Though if I know Christ after the flesh, know him no more after the flesh. Christ can appear to you, but if you have a mentality of a human being, especially the type that you see on photographs on your walls and your billboards, you are going to miss Jesus. Alright. Are you there? What verse are we now? Verse 19. 16, is it? Okay, 15. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Who seekest thou? She is supposing him to be the gardener. Say unto her, Sir, if thou have borne him, hence tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Passionate woman. Passionate, dedicated, committed. I wish you can have somebody like that in your life. Who can stand by you, even though you are dead. We still want your corpse. Somebody who will say, I will bear his disgrace. I will bear his reproach. Anytime. I wish you can have that. You need somebody like that. That your corpse will not rot in the streets even when men reject your corpse. Am I talking to somebody? That you could still be honored in all realms that you find yourself. You see, he said, if you have taken, just let me have the cops. It doesn't matter to me. I know he's dead, but I still need the cops. May you be so needed in life. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says, Jesus said unto her, Mary, she turned herself and said unto her, Bonnie, which is to say, Master. And we have only been saying this. You don't know the Lord by physical appearance. The best way and the truest way to know him is through the voice. Is that okay? But what I'm after is verse 17. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not here ascended to my father. 
But go to my brethren and say unto them, I'll send to my father and your father and to my God and your God. What does that mean? Touch me not. <laughs> Leviticus 23. The Bible said the first fruits, the chief offering must first be waved before the father. Are you getting what I'm trying to say here? He is the chief offering that have to be waved before the Father. And as long as that has not been done, he has not fulfilled the assignment. And so touch me now. Because you see, the next day he touched him. Are you following this now? So, when you finish Passover, you come into Pentecost, you wave the chief offering. Now Christ is a type of the whole of humanity put together. Because it represents the whole of humanity. The first fruit you wear before the Lord represents the rest of the offerings. The one accepted before the Lord makes the remaining ones what? Accepted. Are you catching this? So Jesus said, now, he's telling us something that a new people are going to arise out of the dead realm and he'll be the first fruit among many brethren. That's why I say, don't touch me yet. I've not been within I have not come to the presence of the Father as it were. Is that okay? Are you catching what I'm saying here? I want you to understand. Jesus said this to Mary, meaning to say, as a chief of offering representing humanity, he must not be presented or he must not be presented before the Father because he was always offering. Are you still there? Now follow this sequence. He died. He rose. He represented the wave offering before God. Is that okay? Hello. Okay, now go to Acts again, chapter 1. Book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. I want you to see how all of these things fit together properly. Acts chapter 1, are you there? Let's start in the verse 1. The former treatise have I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them. How many days? Come on, check your book. How many days? And speaking of the thing pertaining to the kingdom of God. Is that okay? After he rose, he waved himself by the sheaf offering. The Bible says he came. And he was always with them, sharing fellowship with them for how many days? 40 days. Are you still there? Okay. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said, He, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with other, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, without this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And he said, All of that boy shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Is that okay? And he shall be witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and all that and all that. Now get down to Okay, let's read on. And when he has spoken these things, verse 9, while they behold, he was taken up. And the cloud received him out of their sight. Now, what received him, just in case you must not forget, is not the clouds, but a cloud, singular. Is that okay? Is that okay? What received him is a cloud. And that cloud is a cloud of glory. Not this thing you see up there. Not a geographical cloud of uh, lumbus and cumulus and all of those things you talk about. Right? 
That's not what received Jesus. What received him is the cloud of glory. The same cloud with which he came to Mount Sinai, the same cloud that came during the dedication of Solomon's temple. God's move in a cloud, the cloud of glory is God's vehicle. And Jesus came in a cloud of a shadowed Mary, and when he was to leave, he entered back into the same cloud. Don't look up, he's not there. Hallelujah. Okay. That's a whole study of his own, but I'll give you some key now. You can go back and do that. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, what verse I'm in? Uh, verse 11 Verse 10 And when they looked steadfastly towards heaven As he went up, behold, two men stood by them In water parade, which said, oh, men of Galilee I've read this before, right? Okay, while standing gazing into the heaven This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven Shall so come in like manner As you have seen him go into heaven In like manner, how many people saw him? The apostles Not everybody Twelve, now we don't say that so Confuse some of you now Okay, verse 12. That's what I'm looking for. Then they returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. That's what I'm looking for. Sabbath day's journey. How many days makes a Sabbath? Seven plus 40. How many days left? That means they were in the upper room for three days and the Holy Ghost came. Come on, say amen to that. Amen. Did you get that? <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying here? Are you seeing it clearly? Hallelujah. So, when you now go down to Act 2 verse 1, say, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, what is now saying to say, from when he waved himself, he began to speak to them for 40 days, and you add your seven days Sabbath journey back to Jerusalem. Are you following that? And they stay in the upper room for how many days? For three days. That gives you how many days? 50 days. And what is supposed to happen next? Pentecost. Is it simple? <laughs> Hallelujah. Because Passover must be celebrated only. After 50 days. After Passover. And so the experience of Pentecost. Is a manifestation. Of the fullness of Pentecost. Which has to do with the celebration. Of the feast that we are talking about. But this is a realm from the first realm. By implication. Your justification by faith is not. But rather the beginning. Of the journey. Is that alright? Okay. And that means you must definitely also experience Pentecost if you are part and parcel of the body of Christ. In fact, this study gave me some beautiful things. I, it's like I was getting goosebumps when I was studying this morning when the Lord was beginning to make me see this. So 50 days were perfectly clear and correct before Pentecost was supposed to come. That is why I have always told people, you can prophesy about the future, but you cannot structure the future. Mm? Good. We know and all of them know Pentecost was coming, but no man could make it happen until when it is the fullness. Hallelujah. Are you there? That means there are some prophecies that God may have given to you. Eventually, you can pray, you can do whatever thing you want to do, but you can bet them. There are some that have to wait until the fullness of time. Are you still there? Hallelujah. So, it gladdened my heart to know that in the upper room they were there but just three days. Add your three days to the seven days journey. 
you have your 10 days. Add your 10 days for the 40 days that Jesus was talking with them. No, he Jesus left on a timely note. Hallelujah. He left exactly 40 days so that they can have 7 days to journey and wait for 3 days for the right time to come. He came in the left on a very right timing. Hallelujah. Okay now. So you see this. Uh, Act 2 again. Let me see. Praise the Lord. Okay. And so, when I can just read Act 2 verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all we want to go to one place, just like I said. So, we all know, we don't need to read this if you want, you can read up to verse 7, and read up to verse 8, just put them down in your, your Bible, and begin to talk in tongues and all that. You know what happened? They were all in the upper room, is that okay? And the Holy Ghost came, and what happened? They began to speak in new tongues. I've always told you, the tongues that is spoke on the day of Pentecost is not the one we're speaking in church now. You better make a difference. Is that okay? When we come to church, we speak in tongues. And we think because we are Pentecostals, because tongues came on the day of Pentecost. But understand this. The tongues that is spoke on that day was nothing but a witnessing tongue. It was a tongue that enables those who were not Jewish people to understand what God was saying. God was simply saying, I'm betting a new season. And he was simply giving a broadcast. It's like, you see, one man can be speaking on the television box and it goes all out and everybody can understand. Now, do you know what really happened here? How many of you have read in Genesis chapter 11? The Bible tells us that God confounded the language of the people that were building the Tower of Babel. Remember that? And so they could not understand one another. Now here in the book of Acts, what God destroyed in Genesis 11, he restored. So that when the disciples begin to speak, everybody on the face of the earth could understand. At that particular day, we were all united. How many of you understand that one of the things that unites the people is language? Is that okay? So the whole world was united on that particular day. That's not the kind of tongue we speak in talk today. When you speak, I don't understand. The truth is the tongue we speak in talk today is for self-edification. It has nothing to do with the tongue in Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. That was God communicating to people, to creation. He was betting a new season. And he wanted everybody to understand. So what are we talking about? There have to be a transition. Because God is on the move. So you can become a believer... And say so you receive a salvation and justification by faith and you hang on there. You have to step into something else which has to do with the Pentecostal experience. God coming to visit you and to do specific things which I'm about to share with you now in your life. Are you still there? Get back to Leviticus 20, 23. Some of you read the book of the, the, the Bible, maybe the book of Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and you don't see anything there because you feel it's an Old Testament book. There is nothing like old. There are two covenants. There are two laws. There are two apostles, basically, in the Bible. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Okay. Leviticus 23. Look at verse 16. Even unto the morrow... After the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. How many days is this number? Come on, are you there? 
After 50 days, what are you supposed to do? Offer what? A new meal offering. This is very important and crucial to us. The 49th day after the presentation of the first fruit, or the 50th including, was the Feast of Pentecost. Is that okay? Are you there? It says 50 days. You have to offer a new meal offering. Now, the new meal offering actually is a new corn made into two loaves. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to go that way. How many of you understand Jesus fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes? Remember that? Five loaves and what? Two fishes. Now, we don't want to be discussing that. Here, the Bible is making us understand if you only talk about this new loaf, actually, it's made up of a new coin made up into loaves. So, in the true sense, now listen to what I'm about to say. Very important. The new meal is made of new corn into what? Loaves. Not just two, per se. But loaves of bread. What did Jesus call himself? I am the bread of life. Is that okay? Now, this one is to be made out of the chief wave offering or the new wine into loaves. Now turn to John chapter 12. Remember, these loaves have to come up after 50 days, which means a transition from Passover to Pentecost fully. Once you step into Pentecost, it becomes a new loaf. Are you there? Are we there in John 12? I'm going to be reading from verse 24. Verily, very I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abided alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. What kind of fruit will it bring forth? Corns. Am I talking? Because corn will produce corn. Now, he said, he is a corn. He is falling to the ground and dying. What will come out of it? All the corn, fruits. Are you getting this? Now, tie this up to your Passover. He is dying. He's rising again. And bringing forth several other fruits. Which is you and I. Are you following what I'm trying to say here? Now, what is the connection? After Pentecost, a new meal offering is offered, made out of the new corn into loaves. What does that mean? The body of Christ is this new loaves that was being brought forth on the day of Pentecost. Are you still there? Now you become bread of life just like he was. Can you say amen? Are you following what I'm saying here? 
He was a bread of life, but now there are breads of life. Because you have been made into loaves out of the new wine, which is a new season, not the old season. So there has to be a transition. Now see what Jesus has to speak to the people. He said you must not put new wine into old wine skin. Are you there? Good. That tells you, your life must continue to be on dancidency. There has to be a movement. There has to be a transition. You must not be stagnated. Neither shall you take the new and mix it with the old. Now I'm going to make you see something here. So you see here, Pentecost is a new breed of people prepared by the Lord. Pentecost is not just it's not just speaking in tongues. It's a people prepared by the Lord. So when he said, Thou shalt observe the feast of weeks, of the first fruit of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the end. Observe the feast of weeks, of the first fruits of the wheat harvest. What God is saying, I die, Jesus said in John 24 there, John 12, 24, I am going to die, I'm coming forth with other fruits. After that new fruit, you celebrate the feast means you are celebrating the feast of Pentecost. We are coming to a new experience after Passover, which is initial period of our what? of our salvation. But I want to make you see something. Because sometimes you say, well, I don't speak in tongues. Well, I don't do signs and wonders. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Don't let that be your problem. I want to make you see the reality. Now I'm not saying those things are not important. Very important, very crucial. If God gives you the gifts of healing, exercise it. Whatever gifts he gives to you, exercise it. But I'm going to make you see something as we walk on. Hallelujah. So just like I said, he walked on the earth for 40 days. After resurrection, they go back to Jerusalem, seven days. And then they waited in the upper room for how many days? Three days. That gives how many days? 50 days. And then a new crop of people when I'm made available. Is that okay? So you see, Pentecost is like now. The Israelites left Egypt and they came onto the Red Sea. Now they crossed the Red Sea, which is a type of baptism, which is like a baptism of the Holy Spirit in our own case. Now they have to move on to Mount Sinai. And there's something happening in Mount Sinai when they go to Mount Sinai. Hallelujah. Are you there? Do you know what happened in Mount Sinai? That is where God gave them the law. Are you following this? Come on, are you hearing what I'm talking about? Now, so Mount Sinai in the truth and corresponds to our Pentecost of today. And you see, the difference between experience and our experience is this. When I go to Mount Sinai, God wrote the laws on the tablet of stone. But in our Pentecostal experience, God is writing the laws in our hearts. So, primarily, Pentecost is not about speaking in tongues, about, but it's about walking in obedience to the laws of God. Are you listening to me? You can be a Pentecostal, speaking in tongues, doing signs and wonders, and yet you don't have the laws of God written in your heart. And that is the danger. Because our emphasis is what we can do. But God is not calling us to a doing thing in that sense. He's calling us to becoming a being. 
Hallelujah. Did you understand what I said there? God wants a people, not necessarily activities. Because you see, you can be so engaged in activities and you are not who you are or who God intends you to be. A robot can cook. A robot can probably even drive a car if it is programmed on a straight line. That doesn't make the robot a human being. We are made in God's image. God is first a being before he created. God is first alive within himself before he created. Is anybody hearing this? You have to first become before you can begin to do. Look, in the book of John chapter 6, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, when he says the bread of life, he said, what shall we do to do the works of God? Plenty of works. Jesus said, this is the work of God. One work. That you may believe in the Son whom he has sent. One thing you need to do. Believe. Because if you believe, he gave you power to become what? The sons of God. Now, if you become a son of God, you will do the will of the Father. Because Jesus said, I do nothing except what I see the Father do. That's a big difference between just becoming a charismatic man as compared to becoming... The son of God. Hallelujah. Are you following? Okay. Now, let's progress. Get down to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy 18. I want to show you something. Why do you think the children of Israel could not keep the law? Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of, the, of thee of thy brethren like unto me. Him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, Mansinah, in the day in the assembly saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Neither let me see this great fire anymore that thou die not. And the Lord said unto me, they have spoken well, that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them, all that I shall command him. Hallelujah. I've already said this, and I will say it again. God originally, even all the five of ministry, but God originally do not intend that men speak to you in prophecy, for you to be able to know him. The key and one of the things that God loves is. As many have believed he gave power to become the sons of God. And then in John 10 he said. My sheep does what? Hear my voice. Now the day these people refused to hear God. Because. You know what happened in, in the book of Exodus 20? Okay go to Exodus 20. Let me show you what I mean. Exodus 20. Hallelujah. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings, verse 18. And the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Amen. 
You know what I said? We don't want to hear God. And the day they stop hearing God, they were no longer as it were God's people, if you will. They become kind of slaves. You know why? Because, you know, in Romans 18 verse 14, the Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? Sons of God. And my sheep hear my voice. Now, they are no longer, or they were no longer God's sheep. They rejected hearing God. Hallelujah. Are you following? Now, that means it was not going to be possible for them to obey God because they never heard God. This is one of the reasons they couldn't enter the promised land as well. Why? Because faith came in by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you there with me? So they had no faith. Now the law was external. It was not written in their hearts. So what am I trying to make you understand? Basically, the day of Pentecost is a day when you begin to hear God for yourself, not just hearing God, but God's laws comes to be written in your heart. Now when the laws of God are written in your heart, you become the living epistle. Read of all men. And that to God is more important than you doing signs and wonders. Because all you need to do to become a sense of wonder man is a believer. Believer in not, I'm not talking about believer in terms of believing God now, whatever it is. No, but you can believe in the signs against them. Look at what the Bible says. The signs shall follow them that do what? Did he say so? The signs shall follow them that believe. So, you don't need to carry any Bible to do signs and wonders if you want to. Hallelujah. But God is more interested in your being, who you are. He's more concerned about who you are. He's concerned about his image than what you can do. Praise the Lord. So these people refused to hear God for themselves. They said, talk to Moses. Now I was trying to tell you something about a prophet. It is when you can't hear God, that God raised a prophet to speak to you. And some of you, because of your desire not to hear God, and maybe some of the ways to go, God has to be among the people. God raised a prophet in the church because so many of us can't hear God. He said, I will raise up a prophet from amongst you. Him shall you hear. And then uh, it comes to the point where you can't hear God, and so you can't talk to God. So you have to talk to somebody to talk to God for you. <laughs> Am I talking to someone here? Remember, there was a time that Moses said, I can't speak. Because he wanted him to talk to Pharaoh. And God said, you can't speak? He said, okay, no. I'm going to raise Aaron to be your prophet. And then you will be my prophet. Are you following that? So you see, Moses was a prophet of God, but Aaron was Moses' prophet. And so because you can hear God, God raised a prophet for you. <laughs> Are you following this? Hallelujah. Okay. Now, let me give you the benefit of Pentecost. Time is almost up. Benefit of Pentecost. Romans 18, 15. Romans 18, 15. Hallelujah. Are you there? For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry what? Why and how do we receive this? 
What is trying to say you are not like the Jewish people who can hear their father. So one of the benefits of Pentecost is he brings you to a relationship between you and God. Where you can talk to God yourself and hear God for yourself. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hallelujah. God is not raising slaves. Get out of a slave mentality. God is not interested in slaves. The word bondage means slavery. You do not receive the slip of slavery anymore. We have a lot of slaves in the church. They can't approach their father. Somebody has to always talk to God on their behalf. See what Mary said. Mary said, I'm going to my father and your father. To my God and your God. Jesus was speaking down to Mary. But we have a lot of slave people in the church today. Someone must always talk to them what God is saying. They can hear God for themselves. That's a slave mentality. Bible says, you have not received the spirit of bondage anymore to fear. Hallelujah. My children don't seem to be afraid of me to come to me. They are my children. Neither would they always cry if I give them what they want. Slave mentality. Mm. Are you still there with me? But you know that's what we do in the church. We think sometimes the hardest tears we share will produce the results. Ha. I don't always welcome my children crying before they get what they want. If my serving mortal can treat my children that way, how much more God? God is not interested in your tears when you are making petitions. Somebody said, groaning. Yes, I like that. But let the spirit grow, not you. <laughs> Spirit can groan through you, not you trying to form groaning. When the spirit groans, the tears of God will flow, not your tears. Because the spirit is expressing itself through you. But when you form groaning, you will groan and come out dry. No result. Hallelujah. We are fathers in this place. How many fathers always wait for their children to cry before they pay their school fees? Do you find one? Hallelujah. Talk to God. Last Sunday, I'm sure God gave us a powerful word. The creative words. Do you understand that? Talk to God. Use your tongue rightly. Be filled with His presence and speak. Prayer is not a multitude of words. Those are vain repetitions. Am I talking to someone here? Pentecost brings the laws of God in your heart. And then brings you to the place of obedience. Now the Bible says we have not received the spirit of bondage. Verse 16 says, The spirit also bear a witness with our spirit that we are what? Children or sons of God. That's what we are. So, through the spirit we begin to walk in obedience to the laws of God. As we begin to be led by the spirit and walk in the spirit. Yeah, God is now fully identified with sons with us as our father. We can talk to him, he can hear us, and he can talk to us. How many of you have ever heard God? If I ask you now, do you hear God once? You don't know. <laughs> have you ever heard God? But you always hear people, God talk to me. So how come God doesn't talk to you? <laughs> 
<laughs> because one, you don't even know how God talks. And that's why you need to develop true relationship. Is that okay? You see, some of you don't understand. Right? Those are things. We just can't keep on telling some of these things so that you can understand. How did God talk to Abraham? We never heard anywhere the Bible said God said and Abraham. But the Bible said God spoke and Abraham believed God. What is it? How did he talk to him? Come on, talk to me. There must be a witness within the spirit. Hallelujah. Are you there? You know, sometimes we look at prophets and we say, Oh, Francis, God gave us something on Wednesday. Tremendous revelation came. You know what? In the book of Genesis chapter 41. And, and, and the Bible says Joseph had a dream. I mean, I mean uh, Pharaoh had a dream. Remember that? Had a dream twice. About the lean cows and the sheep. Remember that? Farming and plenty. Years of plenty. And then Joseph came and interpreted and said, Well, God have revealed to you what he's about to do. Oh! And the Bible tells us in the book of Amos, God can do nothing except he reveal it to, to his prophet. Pharaoh was a prophet! <laughs> Who is a prophet? He's a man that knows the mind of God. Am I talking here? Not the man that says your key is black. No! Are you getting this? He said, God have revealed this to you that it's going to be famine for seven years, so store in the plenty. He said, God have revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. That is why they have to bring you Joseph and say, okay, you'll be in charge of the grains. So God prepared the land before time. And he spoke to his prophet. I don't care how you look at that. <laughs> he that knows the mind of God is prophet of God. Am I right? I say, Pharaoh was a bad man, but this one was a prophet. <laughs> I don't care how you interpret it because he knows the mind of God. And he prepared for it. Huh? But he says, I don't believe her. But he knows what God was doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. The same way he spoke. You see, he came to Abraham and said, Can I do anything without first speaking to my friend Abraham about it? And so the Bible called Abraham prophet. What made him a prophet? Because he knew what God wanted to do. Am I talking here? So if you know the mind of God, what are you? Fine. You're waiting for somebody to tell you the colors of your heart, the color of your pints and all of that. Shit. That is not it. Does it make you know anything? You tell me the color of my house, I already know the color. I know the color before I went out. Amen. Tell me my telephone number, I know I didn't miss it. I can tell you now if you want me to tell you. I know my telephone number. You're reminding me about it, doesn't make you one. You could be a necromizer. Come on. Am I talking here? <laughs> We used to have one guy called Professor Pele in those days. Is that Professor Pele? That magician, that Yoruba man? Huh? Yeah. You remember that? The door man of magic. People were looking at him. Was he of God? Come on. Hallelujah. You can, see, Pentecost brings you to the place where you begin to hear God, you begin to see God. That's what is most important. And you must migrate from just being a believer into becoming a son that knows the mind of the Father. Are you following me? Don't let everybody toss you to and fro. No more. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you something now. First Peter chapter 1. Very important. Very important. First Peter chapter 1. Verse 2. 
Hallelujah. Are we there? I'm reading verse 1 to 2. Okay, verse 2 in particular. And later, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through what? The sanctification of the Spirit, unto what? Obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now listen to those things. What does the Spirit do? The Holy Spirit. What does He do? He brings God to the place of what? Obedience. That's what I want you to note. Now, by reason of the Holy Spirit, you can obey the laws of God. But we look for the Holy Spirit baptism so that we can speak in tongues, do signs and wonders, and yet we live in rebellion. So you see, what you could not do as a mere man, just like the laws that were written on tablets of stones, there was no way they could obey them. Are you following what I'm saying now? Now we can obey every law God gives through what? The sanctification of the Holy Spirit. That is the difference. That is the true meaning of Pentecost. That was the true meaning of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Are you following at all? So tell me, if you don't know how to walk in the spirits, that's obeying the laws of God. It's a sure proof that you have not experienced Pentecost. But you see, you can be walking in obedience with the laws of God and in the spirit, and you don't seem to be doing what you call sense of wonders. You reject yourself. Do you understand this? But unknown to you that you have a deeper relationship. What is speaking in tongues? Even donkeys can do that. Donkey spoke to Balaam. An animal talk. He spoke in tongues because he spoke a language that Balaam. Come on now. Am I talking here? Animals don't speak human language. But this one spoke a human language. So he spoke in tongues, man. But that doesn't make the donkey a human being. Neither the donkey an image or son of God. There's a big difference between being a son and doing signs and wonders. That's what I'm trying to make you understand. Pentecost brings us to the place where we can obey everything the Father does or wants us to do. That is what Pentecost brings you into. Through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. So you ask yourself, is my heart really sanctified? Can I truly walk in obeying the laws of God? That is what is more important to God. That's what I'm trying to make you understand. Hallelujah. Are we still together? The word obedience actually means a compliance or submission. It means obedience, submission. How submissive are you? That is the proof of your experience of what? Of Pentecost. Now, somebody asked me this question yesterday. I didn't even know I was going to share on it. Before we round up, turn to Revelation chapter 1. This is the shift that you need. The shift that you need. Very crucial. Revelation 1. Hallelujah. Let's start reading from verse number 9. I, John, whom also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was the out that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Just in case I missed something there. Reminded by the Spirit. The blood of sprinkling have nothing to do with the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Hello? 
Because we read that in the book of First Peter. The brothers simply have nothing to do with that. What he's talking about in the true sense is, you know, in the Old Testament, you find that Moses or the high priest would go into the most holy place and sprinkle the blood to sanctify the vessels. Is that okay? Now the blood sprinkles into your heart to sanctify your heart. It's all part of the obedience to the truth. It's not you carrying something, the blood of Jesus. Paul, look at the blood of Jesus. Something is wrong with you. Look at can never be the blood of Jesus, neither ever wine. Are you hearing this? Amen. So now, verse 10, Revelation 1. I mean, yeah. I was in the spirit on the last day. Now that's not Sabbath or Sunday. Last day is a day that God is unleashing or revealing himself. Making manifest. It's the activities of God's day. The last day is not Sabbath and it's not Sunday. It's a period of time that God is into action. Hallelujah. So it's not Sunday and it's not Sabbath. What, what John is trying to see here is, I'm beginning to see, or God brought me into the place of seeing the activities of God, or of Christ. So you remember, the Bible said that the revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you there? The word revelation is the apocalypse. It means the unveiling. Now Christ is to be revealed. Listen and listen closely. Anybody can, but you in this meeting can't believe that. When you read the Bible, you see tigers, you see crocodiles, whatever in the book of Revelation. That doesn't have anything to do with any demon. All of them have to do with the manifestation and various faces of the face of Jesus Christ. Is that okay? It's a revelation of Jesus Christ, not a revelation of Antichrist. There is no devil in the book of Revelation. Are you hearing me? Every devil you see, there is a people's group that were trying to stand against the move of God. Hello. So listen, I was in the last day and, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Follow it now. Saying, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou sawest write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, unto Pegamos, unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now look at verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Where do you find the seven golden candlesticks? The holy place. Are you following now? The outer court is brazen outside the lava. The seven golden candlesticks is where? The holy place. Sixty-fold. Follow me. Are you there with me? I turned and I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and about, get about the pubs with a golden ghetto. Is that okay? So the next thing you begin to see Jesus Christ being what? Described. Now listen very well. I heard a voice. I was on the last day. I came into the place where I can behold the activities of the Lord. And I heard a voice behind me. And when I turned to see the voice, 
I saw a man in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Are you there? Let's interpret. The mystery of the seven stars with the soils in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven golden candlesticks with the soils are the seven churches. In other words, the seven stars are the pastors of these churches. Stars are people. When the Bible says stars shall fall, he's not talking about astronomical stars. He's talking about sons of God who have risen in the spirit, who have come to the place of prominence in the work of God. And because of one thing or the other, they come down. Those are stars that are falling. It has nothing to do with the star of the moon, Neptune, Jupiter. No! Help me here. Are you there? I turned and I saw seven golden candlesticks. He said, the seven golden seven candlesticks are seven churches in Asia. And I saw seven stars in his hand. What does that mean? God was in the midst of the seven churches doing the work. Through with people, through the seven stars, which are to do with the pastors. Are you following him? Hallelujah. I want you to catch this because it's very important. Very, very important. You understand what I'm saying here? Because sometimes people will tell you stars will fall. Hey, remember, remember, in the book of Genesis, chapter 37, I'm sure, when Joseph had a dream. Huh? What did he say? He said these 11 stars bowed down, the sun and the moon. Hey, you guys are sir? You understand that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now watch this. What is this 11 stars? The brothers of Joseph. What about the moon? The mother. What about the sun? I have nothing to do with a lot of that. And you are still watching. Somebody say, on the last day, stars shall fall. Say, stars fall. Rubbish. You see, you just need to do something onto this your brain. Get into, don't read all manner of books. Don't listen to all kind of messages. Because even that which you seem to have now can be taken away from you. Are you hearing me? Now, this is the good story that I have for you. So, what are we talking about? Remember, I remember very well. Jesus is in the midst of the seven churches. Is that okay? Now, what he's trying to say here, well, all the activities that are going on, I'm involved. Because the seven stars were in his hand. And he was in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So, watch that. That means Jesus was at this stage in the midst of what we call the holy place. In fellowship with those who are in the holy place. Are you rem- You can remember that. Remember, I told you yesterday, he said, the outer court, do not measure it. So now, Jesus is what I can call in the midst of Pentecostal church age. Are you there? This is the church age. The Pentecostal experience is the church age. Now, Jesus was in the midst. Science and wonders happening. Jesus is there. Do you go to meeting? Science and wonders. There's nothing wrong. But go to chapter 4. Chapter 4. Very quickly. Are we there in chapter 4? Book of Revelation. After this, I looked. And behold. 
A door was opened in heaven. <laughs> and the first voice which I heard was at the door of a trumpet talking with me. Which said, What happened? Come up hither, and I will show the thing could must be where hereafter. Listen to me. Look at that scripture very well again. After this, I looked. After what? After I've seen what was going on in the church. After I've seen the activity that was going on in the church. It's like I was getting attracted. So my attention was beginning. It's like I'm envying the signs of wonders and miracles that the stars were doing. And then I heard a voice. I said, come up here and I will show you things that will be hereafter. You know what? Get out of this activity and come into something better. Are you still there with me? It's beautiful what is going on in Pentecostal circle. But there is something else. A door needs to be opened for you. <laughs> when you see this door open, you will envy what is going on. Because greater things shall the Lord make known unto you. You know why you say, oh my, I don't know. But did you see the word there? I mean, it's so interesting. After this, I looked. Afterwards, after Jesus had described everything about the seven churches. You understand that? He was watching, he was looking at them. Do you know what happened in the book of Matthew 24 as well? When disciples of Jesus, Jesus was taking them out, the, 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 the apostles. Remember that? And then the Bible said, hey master, come and look at these beautiful stones. They went on throwing the stones of the temple. Remember that? And he told them, hey, you don't behold these things. Because there is none of these stones that just stand upon one another. They were so fascinated about the building. How many of you are so attracted to the things that is going on in the church? You are so fascinated. You want to be a science of wonder. You want to be miracle walking, prophecies, a good activities. But there is a voice that is speaking. Say, come up here and I will show you things which will be after. In other words, after the church activity, something is about to happen. Year after means after now. If you look at it, is that okay? He said, I will show you things which must surely come to be. See, I look and behold, the door was open in heaven. And the voice which spoke me hard was out of the trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here, and I will show the things which must be hereafter. After now, all the things that we follow, these things that you are seeing now, something else is about to happen. But some people say we can move, but we are here to transist, we are here to move. From activities to reality. There is something bigger. There is something greater. You know, we are coming to a place. The Lord is saying you just can't be fascinated by everything you see. No, we are not playing down on it. Yes, we can have it. But we know that there is something else. Greater. Bigger. Hallelujah. So there was a time Jesus was walking and the Bible says, they thought he was going to enter, but no. He could not enter the city because his face was set to Jerusalem. There is a place where you know that there is a place you are going to. You don't need to get into distraction and, and whatever. Nothing distracts you. You have to be focused. Are you getting what I'm saying here? The Bible said they never received him. Not because they didn't want to receive him in the true sense, but because the Bible said his face was set as to go into where? To Jerusalem. Why? Because the time, the passion for the death has come. He has to go to the cross. He know what he was after. So he was not going to branch any community, branch any village. There are times you walk this walk, you don't have to branch into villages, no matter whether they're going to accept you. Come up here, and I will show you things that are going to be here after. Something how to follow the church age. The Pentecostal circle we are is a church age mentality. Jesus is in the midst of the candlesticks, no doubt. 
Are you following what I'm saying now? He's doing signs and wonders in the midst of the church. But let me show you something now. Most terrible. Matthew, and we'll close here. Matthew 7. Hallelujah. Good work going on. Good activity. Do we despise them? No. Believe more, 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 more. More into what is going on. But there is a come up here. <laughs> For those of us who have heard the voice, we've lost interest in what is going on. That's a problem. Because when you hear this voice, you can no longer turn around to see what he has asked you to turn away from. You know, in Hebrew chapter 6, remember, even Paul said the same thing. Let us not lay again the foundation. Let's move on to better things. Remember that? Hallelujah. Matthew 7, are you there with me? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall I enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. How do you do the will? You have to be sanctified in the spirit. Doing the will comes to the place of world obedience. Are you there? How is that going to happen? Pentecostal experience. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prayer, I mean, prophesied in the name and in the name of cast out devils and in the name done many wonderful things? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that walk in iniquity. What is iniquity? Anomia. What is anomia in the Greek? Lawlessness. In other words, signs of wonders can happen without you being obedient to the Lord. So what you use is Pentecostal experience when you are not walking in obedience. Hallelujah. What use is that? That you are Pentecostal, but you don't know God's mind. You don't know God's will. You are not walking in obedience, but you are doing signs and wonders. What use is it? That's what the Bible is saying here. Go away from me, ye that walk in iniquity. I never knew you. It means, though they were doing signs and wonder, but they were not true Pentecostals. In the true sense, who is a Pentecostal now? It's not the man that's speaking in tongues. It's not the man that does signs and wonders. It's the man that obeys the will of the Lord. Are you listening to me? So sometimes I'm not a Pentecostal. Oh, if you're not a Pentecostal, you're also saying, I can't do the will of the Lord. Amen. Because Pentecostals are people who God have gotten the laws written where? In their hearts. They're walking in submission. They're walking in total submission to the sanctification of the Holy Spirit by the sprinkling of the blood. That our conscience have come to the place of total obedience to the will of the Father. Say, go away from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I knew you not. You see, we can be doing signs and wonders and we can't walk in obedience. We have not experienced Pentecost. Which is a feast that must come. Fiftieth day afterward, Passover. By implication, what God is saying. Your transition is this. You receive the Lord. Your sins are forgiven. You've come into fellowship with the Father. Now you are walking in a place of obedience because God has touched your heart. Have God touched your heart? Are you sure God is working with you? Are you sure the Holy Spirit is doing a work in your conscience? You see, because that tells you, even if you are justified by faith, that doesn't mean you've come to the place of total obedience to, to the Father. Because you can still be carrying the spirit that you had before you come to the Lord until the work is done in your spirit. Which has to do with what? Pentecost. 50 
And somebody has to work. Don't be fascinated by the activities on the seven stars and the seven candlesticks. There is something he's saying you have to see. Which is the thing that will follow that which you have seen. Am I talking to somebody now? You have seen a lot in the church. You have seen a lot of activities in the church. But the Lord is saying, what? Come up hither. I will show you things which shall be after this. After this church age, there is another age that we are coming into. And that age we shall discuss in the next message. God bless you.